Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 11, verse 7. Mark chapter 11, verse 7. I'm going to read, amen. I'm going to read, amen, from the New Living uh, Translation of the Bible. New Living Translation of the Bible. Mark chapter 11, verse 7. Mark chapter 11, verse 7. When they brought the cult to Jesus and they threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. He sat on it. It. Want to talk about this morning? Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor. neighbor. Then, then he sat, sat on it. Amen. Then he sat on it. We thank God because God has allowed us to assemble ourselves between these consecrated walls for such a grand time as this. Christians all over the world, all over the world, on every continent of the world, Christians are celebrating, are excited about, are recognizing the significance of this Sunday. Because uh, this, this Sunday, I'm sure the majority of us know that this Sunday is Palm Sunday. And historically, historically, uh, Palm Sunday is viewed as the beginning of Holy Week or Resurrection Week. This is the day, this is the day where uh, we recognize our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, riding into Jerusalem on the back of a lowly beast. And uh, the individuals in the crowd placing palm leaves along the trail crying Hosanna. It is the day uh, that we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a beast of labor. Thus far, uh, Yahshua, uh, our Jesus, has been making his pilgrimage to Jerusalem on foot. Up to this point, he has been walking. And now, uh, he is riding on a coat. Only for the last mile of the journey. Uh, it, uh, it, it, it shows the symbolic character of this act. For it is uh, prophesied in Zechariah 9 and 9 that a triumphant, victorious, yet humble king should ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, a beast that no man had ever sat upon. Now look at this, Calvary. I, I find this, 
I find this interesting because Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, we were taught, we recited, and we believed that Jesus was and is and shall ever be the king of kings. And there, there will be other kings, but there will be no king above this king. All other kings must bow down to this king. We have exalted him as the king of kings. Nobody greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you. We searched all over. Couldn't find nobody. We looked high and low. Still couldn't find nobody. Nobody, you know the song, greater. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than our Jesus. Riding in to Jerusalem, being extolled and exalted as the king of kings, but he does not enter on a beast of pleasure or power. He enters on a beast of labor and toil. He does not show up in splendor. He does not show up in pride. He does not show up in privilege. Nor does he show up in prestige, nor power, nor with a position. He shows up on a lowly beast, a laborious beast, an unassuming and seemingly insignificant, unimportant beast. A beast that you and I would not choose, we would walk past. A beast that we would not want, a beast that we would not have. But this beast, the one that you and I overlooked, this beast, the one that you and I thought lowly of, this beast, the one that you and I deemed insignificant and unimportant, is the very one that Jesus chooses to ride into Jerusalem upon. That brings a question to my mind, a question that permeates my soul. And that question is, why is it that the king of kings which you would use such a lowly means of transportation. Why didn't he show up on a white stallion? Why didn't he show up 
on a beast of power. Why did he not have a chariot of white stallions pulling his chariot of diamonds and pearls? Why did he not show up with a crown of jewels upon his head? and a robe of royalty around his shoulder. No, he does not show up in splendor. He does not show up in pride. He does not show up on the beast of prestige. But he shows up in humility. And perhaps Jesus was not concerned with his interest because he knew his father had already preordained his exit he 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 uh, will enter riding on a donkey he will leave riding on a cloud uh, he enters in humility but he will leave in honor. He enters in poverty, but he will leave in power. Look at your neighbor and tell him, don't judge me by how I enter, because God's got a way of flipping the script between my entrance and my exit. Oh, I enter last, I'll, eat, I'll leave the head. Oh, I entered broke, but I'll exit fixed. I entered messed up, but I'll exit as a miracle. I entered as in poverty, but I'll leave rich. I entered the borrower, but I'll exit the I'll exit as the lender. I wish I had about five people who know your exit is going to be greater than your entrance that would give God some praise, not necessarily for how you got here, but where he's going to take you when you leave here. Tell your neighbor, I get excited because I know I got an exit that's better than my entrance. wants you and me to understand that if we get caught up in how we get here we may not understand the significance of how we leave here if we get so caught up in what we got we might lose the impact of what we are going to get oh, if we get so consumed with where we are we run the risk of losing our excitement about where we are going. We stop looking forward to the future because we become content and complacent in the present. Never let the success or the stress of right now allow you to forget that God can and will do something greater for you later. Oh, I wish somebody would holler it's gonna get greater for me later. That's why I praise God like it's already here. Because it's going to get greater for me later. I messed around and read somewhere the other day that my, that my latter days will be greater than my former days. 
and that thing clicked in my spirit and I got excited about what God is getting ready to do for me because I know that God didn't bring me through what he brought me through to drop me off right now but he has something greater for me tell your neighbor I got a glimpse of what God has in store for me that's why I praise him through my pain that's why I worship him through my worry that's why I thank him through the thickness of my difficulties and my despairs because I know God didn't bring me this far to lead me by myself so if I got to ride in here on the donkey I'll ride in here on the donkey and tell God thank you that I'm here it's not how I got here but it's the fact that I am here look at your neighbor and tell him you don't understand I praise God like I do because you don't know what I've been through just to get here you don't know how many battles I fought just to get here you don't know how many tears I wiped just to get here somebody holler Lord I thank you that I'm here perhaps he was trying to teach you and me that it is humility that leads to honor that it is being last the ability to be last that leads to the opportunity to be first perhaps he was trying to teach you and me that you cannot be exalted if you don't learn first to be abased that we cannot be served until we learn first to be a servant I knew it was going to get quiet right there everybody wants somebody to hold your coat but you can't have somebody hold your coat until you learn how to hold somebody else's coat. You can't get somebody to, to serve you your tea until you learn how to serve somebody their tea. You can't get somebody to fix your plate till you learn how to fix somebody else's plate. You can't, you can't, you can't learn. You can't have somebody carry your Bible till you learn the importance of carrying somebody else's Bible. Look at your neighbor and ask them, how can I serve you? Because I understand that nobody will will ever serve me until I learn how to serve somebody else. Come here, David. You are anointed to be the king. But before you be the king, you got to go and you got to serve the king even though the king wants to kill you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's somebody in here. You got so much potential and so much power, but God ain't gonna elevate you until you learn how to sit down at the foot of somebody else and learn the lessons that God has for you to learn. I wish somebody would holler back at me and say, I got to learn how to serve. Got to serve. In humility. With dignity. 
and with honor. Jesus needed you and me to understand that with God, that with God, it is not what you have that is significant. It's what you're going to get that makes you lift your hands and tell the Lord, thank you. It is not where I am that matters. What matters is where I'm on my way to. Mm -hmm. It's not where I am that matters. It is where I'm on my way to. So you see, judging me by my arrival will cause you to misjudge my potential and misunderstand my promise. The way I looked when I got here won't be the same way that I look when I leave here. Don't judge where I'm going based on how I started. Don't underestimate my potential for promise based on the presence of my problems. Do not write me off because of the way I came here. Do not project the ending of my story based on the beginning of my story. Do not think that just because I came in here low that it means I'm going to leave here low. I got a feeling that when I leave here, I will leave here better than when I came here. I got a feeling that by the time my appointment here is done, God is going to do some rearranging, some repositioning, and some reassigning. God's going to put some people who were above me below me. God's going to make some people who dug my ditch fill that ditch back up. God's going to make some folk that tried to curse me have to bless me. God's going to make some people who tried to push me down have to pull me up. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I think I got about 10 folk listening to me this morning who can holler, there's going to be some repositioning in my life because God's got something better for me. Now this story can be found in all three of the, of the synoptic Gospels. Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. Mark 11, 1 through 11, which is what we're reading today. Luke chapter 19 verses 28 and 44. But John's gospel is different because it is only in the gospel of John where uh, that actually classifies these particular branches as palm branches. And upon my study of the Gospels in their totality, I find that this fact is not surprising because John's account of Jesus is quite different from his biblical contemporaries. John's Gospel is more Christological than that of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In, in, in other words, uh, the spirit 
of Jesus is and the power of Jesus the equality of Jesus to his father is highlighted more in John than it is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Oftentimes in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Jesus would do somebody, do something for somebody, he would oftentimes tell them, go and tell nobody. He, he would bless them and then he would, he would tell them, go, shh, be quiet, and show yourselves to the priest. He, he, he was not bombastic in who he was spiritually or, or in his, uh, his, his heavenly authority in Matthew, Mark, Luke as he was in John. In John, he's more vociferous about his connection to his equality with the Father who is in heaven. John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, the way, the truth, and the life. It is in John that he makes the claim before Adam was, I am, where he confessed that I and the father are one, and where he tells Nicodemus, you must be I'm glad I got some Bible readers born again. It is in John that Jesus turns water into wine. It is in John that Jesus tells Lazarus to get up out the grave, then speaks to his grave clothes and tells them, loose him <laughs> and set him free. John's Jesus talks more about his Christology than does Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's Jesus speaks more of his messianic power and his proclivity than does Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's Jesus speaks more of the logos or the word of Christ or Christ being the word. He focuses more on his incarnational presence, his theological prowess and his ontological proof. It is John's Jesus who has what I call it. John's Jesus is vociferous concerning his power, his connection to, his dependence on, in fact, his equality to the Father in heaven. This Jesus was the incarnate word of God. We find in Mark the gospel telling us that they sit here, uh, that he sits on a donkey that has never been sat upon before. The fact that this animal had never been ridden, has never been sat upon, lets us know that this donkey has not been broken. Anybody that knows anything about wild animals know that the first time you get on it, it's going to kick, it's going to buck, it's going to bite, it's going to fight, it's going to fall down, it's going to do whatever, turn circles, flips, cartwheels, going to do whatever it has to do to get you off of it. 
Yeah, because it is untamed. And then I thought about it. Maybe, Sister Moses, this was the reason that this donkey was tied up. Maybe his owner had tried over and over and over again to break this donkey. And the more he tried to break the donkey, the more disobedient the donkey was. Maybe this donkey was so belligerent and so evil that the owner decided that the only thing he could do with this donkey was to tie him up. There was no redeeming qualities. There was no potential for progress. There was no hope for honor. Ah, the only good this donkey was worth was simply to tie him up. But apparently this donkey ah, had been seen by Jesus. And he saw the potential inside the donkey while the donkey was tied to a pole. He saw what the donkey could be before the donkey could be it. He saw where the donkey could go before the donkey uh, even went. All the donkey wanted to do was buck because he was untamed. And I believe there are some folk listening to me right now who don't mind testifying that there was a time in my life when I was just like this donkey. All I was good for was tying me up because I was untamed. I was mean. I was ugly. I was nasty. I was belligerent. I tell you where to go, who to take with you, how long to stay, what to drive, and I'd give you some gas money. Do I have any witnesses in here? Is there anybody in here that don't mind testifying that when I look at this donkey, I see myself. I was mean and I was untamed. Couldn't sit on me because when you're trying to sit on me and tell me something good that would help me, I would reject everything that you tried to tell me. My mama tried to teach me. My daddy tried to teach me. Big mama tried to teach me. But I didn't want to hear nothing from nobody about what they had to say concerning my life. I thought I was grown and I thought I could do it on my own. Didn't want to hear it. Didn't want to feel it. Didn't want to see it. Just leave me alone. I was tied up. Wasn't going nowhere. Wasn't fit to live. Wasn't ready to die. But the Lord saw me and he said I can do something with that donkey go get him untie him and bring him here then somebody 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 one day invited me invited me to the Lord's house and I heard the preacher say give the Lord your hand and he will Turn you around. Yes, I was untamed, always fighting. Untamed, always.
always causing confusion. Untamed, always fighting vision. Untamed, getting no folk nerve. Untamed, lying on folk, misusing folk, misusing folk, treating folk, not doing right. Untamed, lying, cussing, drinking, smoking. Untamed, don't even know how I got home on some nights after I went out and drank everything that the boy had. Untamed, smoked everything that could be rolled up. Untamed, I wish I had some real folk in the building today who can testify I'm saved now, but I ain't always, I ain't always been saved. That's why I praise God like I do. That's why I lift the Lord like I do. That's why I give Him glory like I do. Cause they brought me to Jesus and then, and then, and then He sat on me. And when He sat on me, I stopped bucking, I stopped cussing, I stopped fighting. He sat on me and I lift him, I thank him, and then he sat on me. I wish I had ten folk in the building that don't mind waving your hand. Say, Father. Thank you. sitting on me. Thank you for riding me. Thank you. Yeah. Give somebody a high five and tell them neighbor and then he sat on me and then he sat on me you looking at me now and I look like I look because then he sat on me things don't trouble me like they used to trouble me because then he sat on me. I don't lose my mind like I used to lose it. Because then he sat on me. And because the Lord sat on me, my life has never been the change, been the same. Somebody all over this building, praise God for sitting on you.